Good afternoon and welcome to NFTs Live. I'm your host, Tyler D. It is Friday, January 28th. It's blizzarding here in Chicago. The money is blizzarding into NFTs too. We are coming off the second highest NFT sales day ever. And overall, just a huge week of news and activity. I've got Brett Ritchie on with me this morning to break it all down. Brett, good morning. How's it going? Hey, things are good, man. How are you doing? I'm good. Really excited. We've got a big interview in the second half of the show. But before that, we have a ton to cover. Um, on the docket for today, we've got the latest Ape Token rumors. Open Seas, really rough week. We're going to talk Treasure Dow and their Trove Marketplace white paper update. Then we're going to take a look at the Lucky Trader seven-day board, the, the big movers on the week, and the anime trend that's super hot right now. We're going to hit a few big one-on-one sales, take a look at the floors for PFPs and art blocks, hit a few upcoming drops. And then for the second half of the show, we've got Marshall Shuttle on with us to talk about photo book NFTs, his work, and the KGP NFT platform. So a ton to get through. Love the content for today. Let's dive in and get started. All right, so our first top news story, the Ape Token rumor mill is buzzing. I'm showing a tweet here from King Blackboard. Rumor mill is saying ApeCoin will be distributed to BAYC ecosystem, apes, mutants, dogs, based on the length of time you've held them to reward both conviction and people who've been a part along the way. Um, so the, the big piece that's kind of underwritten in this rumor is that it's not only current owners who potentially are going to get the ape token. It's anyone who ever owned an ape, a mutant, or a dog is potentially eligible for this token drop. So this would be huge news if true. Brent, what's your immediate reactions to this? And this is potentially kind of shocking the, the, the ape ecosystem right here. I think it's a great, I think it's a great move uh, if they do it this way. Um, one, I had two apes early on, paper handed them you know, a month after the project. So uh, um, mistakes were made. But like for me, okay, like I would, that would be great if I got any slice of this token, but it also helps the distribution, right? If it only is going to people that have this like six figure asset, who are the other people that are going to buy into the apes, right? That was kind of my fear with the ape token is this like elitist, like they're like, it's going to be this meme thing. I'm like, no one's going to pump your, you know, million dollar bags for you. But now if you're getting all these other people in that are now suddenly like, hey, now I like the ape token because I'm getting some. Uh, I think it's a good move. It helps the distribution. It creates much more, many more evangelists for that token. So yeah, I think it's a good move. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the bull case. And certainly I, I would be a big fan having bought and sold you know, 12 to 15 apes, currently owning none. It, it yeah. definitely is a way of organically growing community. Like, you know, previously, if it's just the owners, you know, anyone who sold off is going to be potentially flooding the coin, not happy about it. Now you flip yeah. that narrative. Everyone's going to be positive. I do want to play out the bear case. What's the negative? So I've seen some, some negative sentiment around this from current owners, you know, saying, are they essentially going to get gypped in this? Are people just going to, you know, dump, dump their apes now if they feel like they're already going to get the lion's share of the token. So. Yeah. I think you got to reward the current person more than just, Oh, you've had it for two days. You only get two days worth. Right. Like whatever the snapshot is like, if you currently own, own that ape, that should be worth a lot. You know, people like me that paper handed it early on, we, I'm fine with scraps, right? Like, I don't think I deserve, like, if someone bought a, a, two apes a month ago and still has them, they shouldn't get the same as me that had uh, two apes for a month, you know, uh, at the start. Right. Totally agree. And, you know, there, there's so many nuances to, to, I'm sure, how the distribution will happen, if it happens this way. But certainly, it's, it's exciting to talk about tons of engagement. Uh, related to this topic, but this is not the only news uh, in the BAYC ecosystem. So we talked about some of OpenSea's bad week and some blunders here. Um, so they posted this tweet here yesterday. As some of you are aware, on-chain bot activity has taken advantage of some users canceling inactive listings, um, and they've updated their guidance. So anyone who follows the board apes in the last few days, I think we've seen upwards of a dozen apes get essentially sniped from old listing offerings. Yeah. It's kind of caused some real panic in the streets here. Um, essentially that the issue at, at play here is folks who had listed their apes a long time ago, they transferred them out of their wallet at some point without canceling those listings. Well, if you, if you move the asset back into your wallet, it reactivates them. Um, 
And in some cases, they're not even showing on the UI, but they're they're still live in the back end database. And some sophisticated um, bot creators have essentially figured this out and are, are kind of taking prey on these listings. So what's what's been your reaction to this and you know how OpenSea's handled it so far, Brooke? I mean, it's not great pretty much across the board, right? You have these, um, what are they, like a quarter million dollar minimum kind of asset that people are holding, right? And they're getting sniped for 30K or whatever. Uh, it, it's not, it is not good. And like, even if you um, go to cancel it, like if you just go to cancel your listing, they can use uh, flashbots or whatever and, and snipe, they see that listing get triggered. That sort of alerts them. This happened, right? Hey, you know, here's this old listing and they can front run you on it. So it's, it's really not a good scenario. Um, you, the best way I believe is to transfer the ape out of the wallet with the listings on it and then mm -hmm. cancel. Uh, you can also revoke the OpenSea permission on a site like revoke cash, but OpenSea, their guidance, you know, they've had to send out multiple uh, error, like, Hey, we clarification messages. So it, it's not great. I think it's a UI issue. And their, their guidance could be a lot clearer on what to do, but they have, they gave some people money earlier this <laughs> week um, who, who had their ape snipe. They said, we'll, we'll pay the difference. Yeah. They seem to be reimbursing folks. We'll see how that all plays out. But, I mean, it's, it's getting expensive. It, it is. I, I want to you know, reaffirm. So for, for anyone who finds himself in a situation, you know, dingling others have posted the best guidance, but again, as we understand that best practice, transfer the asset out of your wallet, go through and cancel all the, old inactive listings and then you're essentially should be good to go just don't cancel them in your current wallet um, i guess going forward be very mindful of the duration of your listings and then avoid this practice going forward essentially people were trying to work around the gas fees by doing this kind of wallet transfer in most cases so just don't do that if you have a, a blue chip asset just cancel your listings it's worth you know the 0.01 uh, you know, for the potential downside risk here. But this is not the only issue on OpenSea's plate this week. So they had a, a, a decision and then a reversal of the decision. So yesterday they came out and announced that they were, for their OpenSea storefront contract going forward, they were going to make it a 50 item limit. That kind of caused pandemonium from some of the, the artists and others who had previously used that contract and then they reversed the decision. But I feel like you might be a little closer to this yeah. issue than me. I'd like to hear your thoughts on, on the situation and the potential impacts. Yeah, so this is this is more for like the smaller creators, right? They're not the teams doing the 10,000 uh, PFP drop. Uh, but I have a lot, I have a lot of different artists that I've collected from that use this contract. Um, and it, it essentially rugged them, right? They've changed the guidance, but initially it was like, it's capped at 50. Uh, so there's one person, uh, they were doing a, a collection of 1440 uh, one piece for every minute in the day. Okay, they're at 800 or something. So then they're just going to be done. Crypto Leo is a project I really like. They were at 700 out of a thousand Leos, right? Uh, he actually, he uploaded all uh, placeholders for the rest of them. He, he was smart, even though they changed it. He, he jammed them all out to get in there. Uh, this other collection, Go Baby Go, she just got up to 500, her 500 cap right before. But it's like, it's more the indie small creators. They were all in... Uh, up in arms on Twitter and that's who it hurt and supposedly it was to stop spam or something but to me the solution is clear grandfather in anybody with an existing collection to um, be able to to extend their collection as they as they see fit and then for new people cap it at 50 because it's like 80 percent spam they say coming out or, or uh, plagiarism and there's all these tools now manifold like there's a bunch token uh, files coming where you can create your own contract easily. So OpenSea storefront is really not necessary anymore, but don't screw the people over like midway through their journey that are that are already using it and they're not, so it's good. Totally agree with you. I think that's a great solution. Overall, not the best week for OpenSea and their communications teams. All right, well, let's, for our third top news story, some you know additional OpenSea competition now coming out of the TreasureDAO ecosystem in that magic token. So Trove is the marketplace that TreasureDAO will be launching on Arbitrum. So an L2 ETH roll-up. Um, they released a white paper this, this week. I'm just gonna give some quick highlights. So TreasureDAO has a, a marketplace right now that's denominated in the magic token. 
they decided to make another marketplace on Arbitrum that's denominated in ETH because essentially they didn't want to force all of NFT users into the magic token. They don't want people buying magic who don't believe in it, who don't want to participate in those specific magic projects. And I think that's a great decision. So they've created a broader marketplace for other projects that will be ETH based. Um, and they brought some real innovation to this. So I'm going to scroll down here to page five to talk about a few of the marketplace mechanics and the highlights. So they've got collection levels ranging from one to five is based on, you know, sales volume and floor price. So level one being the lowest then the top 5% of collections will get that level five uh, criteria name. So this is, it will be an easy way for newcomers to kind of see, all right, what the, what the top blue chip products are versus some of the lower end. Uh, which is very nice to see a more stratified marketplace. They've got this graveyard feature where if you've got any dust NFTs that are pretty much worthless, they've gone to zero, you can trade those in for a chance to get treasure NFTs back. So a nice little recycle harvesting mechanism built in. Then maybe the coolest feature, the user levels. So as users go through more sales volume, collect more NFTs, you can essentially move up in the ranks, which will unlock more personalization, more customization. So it, it really boils down to the concept of that digital clout, digital status, which as we all understand in the NFT space is one of the biggest drivers behind everything. We have PFP verification and hexagons on Twitter. It's all just digital, digital clout and Treasure and Trove are, are recognizing that and building it in. So I think that's gonna be a really cool feature. And really I think the first that I've seen who's doing that. So Brett, I, I don't know if you've been following Trove, any, any re, what are your reactions to, to what we just kind of covered here? Um, I, I haven't followed this really. I think it's cool, right? I know Magic, the treasure ecosystem is getting a lot of um, hype, good good words uh, about the teams supposedly very qualified, shipping fast, smart. Um, the only thing I'll say is like a lot, a lot of these marketplaces, you know, it's, it's easier said than done. Like this all sounds great, right? Um, let, let's see it in action. And, and I think OpenSea kind of gets unfairly, people are like, oh, it sucks or whatever. Like they scaled, you know, 100X or more in a year. They're still growing really fast, right? They have more users now than ever. And just keeping the lights on and like keeping the ship afloat in those sort of um, environments, I think is, is a pretty big challenge. I think they only had like a dozen total team members like the start of last, like June, right? At the, and, then, and then everything went running now they're raising at 13 billion or whatever so um easier said than done like we'll see if, if someone can build these cool marketplaces and scale and get users uh it, you know the jury's still out on a lot of these so it sounds yeah. cool though i think that that's totally fair the treasure DAO team is absolutely gonna have to execute also it's dependent on the quality of projects right you know if the yeah. first round of arbitrum l2 projects are are dusty Right, that's not going to really drive much volume, but certainly. And how many? How are you going to get users over to? It's hard enough to get them on mainnet ETH. Now you're you're getting them to Arbitrum, where the bridge is not great either. Yeah, it's an additional barrier to entry. So certainly, um, some some hurdles to overcome. But uh, the the treasure team continues to ship, so there's going to be a lot of eyes on that. Let's get into our market movers. So I'm going to pull up the seven day board from our friends over at Lucky Trader, and we'll go through some of the big movers here this week. Um, you know, top of the board, it, it's definitely the the blue chips, but man, Azuki's, what a week. This is coming off of 23,000 ETH traded. The floor's gotten into the mid-nines. I think the this morning I checked it was around 7.3, 7.4, just an absolute roller coaster of a week for them. People are already calling them blue, cheap, blue chip you know, two weeks in, it seems like a strong community. Um, I think we could still be in for some volatile price action here uh, in the coming days and weeks, but certainly can't argue with the 65,000 ETH that this product has already traded. So shout out to them. Ponks and Apes up next. Ponks 22,000 ETH traded, 85 ETH floor. It was just 60, I think, when we did this show two weeks ago. So it, it is climbing and climbing up fast. Um, big week for the punks owners. Do you think we're going to see punks reflip apes here? Yeah. And win? What would be your over under breath? I'll, I'll bet February 8th. Uh, I think it'll be soon, especially like um, this ape. I know it's not like, um, I think it's going to scare people of buying an ape. I'm going to spend 100 ETH on something that I keep seeing getting sniped for 15, even though 
if you're buying it and you you know it's not your listing and you know how to protect yourself um i think it's still scary i think it's still gonna be like eh, i don't know right and then and then there's uncertainty about the token like how many are you i don't know i think uh yeah i'll predict february 8th punks punk, punks reflip apes but it might be apes coming down too i'm not saying punks are, is gonna uh go up yeah i, I tend to agree uh yeah, that's probably a pretty good over under date as well other big winners of the week, Clone X. This continues to march upwards. 12,000 ETH traded, 9.1 ETH floor, up 48% on the week. So that's a that's some major increase. We talked a bit about the Creeps ecosystem and all the NFTs coming out of that project on Tuesday. They had a fantastic week. 10,000 ETH traded, up 100% at 6.5. The Hapes, the Hate Beast still pre-reveal. I don't know how long this pre-reveal window is but it's it's quite lengthy i can't They're, imagine paying 70 for this pre-reveal i just and they, they haven't done many sales so it, it's still like 1265 sales um it this product is primarily still the original owner base so again there's a real risk of this kind of crashing down if the reveal doesn't go well um the other trend here we haven't touched on yet but it's anime anime for anyone who follows nft twitter in this space, anime is everywhere. Um, so Capsule House has had a ter- 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 tremendous week, ran up to a 40th floor before retracing a bit. Killer GF is one of the newer anime-related projects, ran up to a 1.7 floor on nearly 6,000 ETH volume here pre-reveal. Um, we've also got the waifus. They're not on the board here. And then a project that minted uh, yesterday in pre-sale, Lives of Asuna, they did a pre-sale for owners of the Yuu crew, as well as Capsule House. And there were a few other ways you could get on that white list. Um, I just wanted to share their website just to give folks who may not be as familiar with this anime trend and what this artistic style is like, just a chance to, to, to see this here briefly. This project, Lives of Asuna, has, uh, what's different about them is you can potentially customize your NFT um, as a part of the roadmap. I don't think we have a whole lot of detail around how that'll work. You get an idea of some of the images. They've got their roadmap here. Um, then I just want to briefly touch on the artists, something that uh, their founding team, what was uh, a positive sign for me, the artist, Zumi, 500,000 followers on Twitter. So certainly a huge following. And then Oksami, the developer, was also tied into Capsule House, You know, a product that has done everything the right way. They had a few hiccups in their launch yesterday. Um, but they they handled it. They adjusted, and it was a it's been a pretty smooth knit uh, process. And that floor sits also around 1.8 here. Pre-reveal public sale is tomorrow. It's going to be an old-fashioned gas war. 0.08. The floor sitting at 1.8. Are you yeah. going to try to gun after this one? No, it's that's on? like when there's so few pieces. It's like it's going to be the sophisticated miners. Like you're basically drawing dead if you're a manual user. Um, I, you know, maybe, you know, I'll use Eden rocket and, and sort of spin the wheel, but you, the problem is you can lose your gas and the gas is going to be like 0.5 or higher, most likely that it's going to be insane. And so you're risking a pretty big loss for like what I think is going to be a small percent chance of success at getting one of these. Agree. The other products I'll, I'll quickly highlight, it's not anime trend, but it's in the, the Asian umbrella. The Meta Jason product just came across my radar this morning. It's a Korean fashion brand type project. It's 3D art. It's kind of like the Korean Clone X in some ways. What's it um, called? Uh, Meta Joseon. Uh, and we'll publish the links and whatnot in our show okay. notes. Um, but it minted out at 0.08 this morning. It was like 4 a.m. Central. And then has quickly run to 0.3.4 on the secondary. So definitely right in the Asian trend sector right now which is very hot all right that's the board uh let's get into some of our other segments and we'll go fairly rapid fire on these for one of ones a couple big sales on the board this week so we haven't covered this artist alex ness he goes by ness graphics on super rare showing a a few pieces from his collection well this uh this piece in the top left here it's called meta v020 sold for 72 eth just yesterday so the top sale that i've seen here this week uh you know his style is that that cyberpunk dystopian 
dystopian style. You can see it here in a, in a few of the pieces. I think this one on the right, I want to say Keyboard Monkey owns. So there's some real whales and collectors who've, uh, who've gotten into the Alex Ness uh, collection space here. So 70, 100 sales. He's kind of right there with Searlite, ACK, in that you know new artist tier right now. So it'll be interesting to see what's to come uh, from Alex. And then Kat Samart has had a, a, a good week as well. She sold this piece Deja Vu for 30 ETH uh, here just yesterday. Um, it's photo NFT. It's this one was shot in Patagonia. Um, a good you know pre-sake to some of the photo NFT work that we'll cover here uh, in just a few minutes in our interview. But Kat continues to to do really well. I think she's about to do another trip to Patagonia as well. So we'll look for more work to come. Quickly one-on-one. So let's go ahead and get into some of the, the board, uh, the floor prices. We'll take a look at WGMI.io and quickly check in. So we've covered the apes. They're sitting at 95 ETH. CyberCong's Genesis have caught up. They're now at 95 as well, up 35% on the week. So a big Big jump for them. We've covered the punks up 80 at 85, up 32%. It's really green across the board right now with the bull market tailwinds that we've got, you know, second highest day of sales yesterday. It's really just reflecting everywhere. A few others that we'll quickly highlight. We've got the mutant apes here at 20, up 26% on the week. Cool cats up around 14.7 uh, here ahead of cool pets coming out on Monday. It was supposed to be today got delayed. And then we've got the CyberKongs at 11, World of Women at 9.4, Clonex at 9.1. Um, a few others I want to cover here lower end. Let's see, Dead Fellas ran up almost all the way to five. I think I saw they're at 4.65, yeah. up 55% on the week. Mebits are at four, Capsules at 3.3. So there's been some real movement at the lower end of the board as well. Brett, are you are you playing or following any of these kind of in that two to five ETH range or are you more below Not, this? Kind so of typically, yeah, I like to, I like to find the next one, right? Dead fellas. Like I don't, I don't typically like to hop on, right? It was 0.86. If you looked at the 30 day floor, now it's four something to me. Okay. I missed it. That's how I think of it. Even though sometimes they run to 20, sometimes they're apes, they run to a hundred. I'm like, all right, I want to find the next thing that's going to go from 0.8 up, up to four. So that's that's how I think of it, but like I would rather have ten pieces of something at 0.5 than than one for five. Usually, um, is is more of my style. So um, doesn't mean I, I'll ride the wave on something too. Once it once it starts running, I'm not just immediately selling. But um, in terms of like entering, I don't typically um, hop in once something has already run up a bunch. Yeah, you know, along those lines, Capsule House we talked about. Man, it's crazy to see it here on the board. 0.29 yeah. 30 days ago. 3.28 up a thousand on the month. This, it's I understand interpretation and chasing after that, um, but also feel strongly about that project. Yeah. So that's PFPs. Art blocks. Uh, I'm just going to quickly cover. It does seem like volume is picking up a bit. I'm cautiously optimistic, but also realistic. You know, in December we caught a little bit of an art blocks uh, run in volume, but it quickly got extinguished. Um, so I'm not getting my hopes up here yet. But the biggest winner really in the last 24 hours is the squiggles. So squiggles were chopping around 5, 5.5. They're up at 7.5, up 36% on the week. Um, there's a few others in green on the board. But what I want to talk about is our upcoming curated drop on Monday. So the artist is Thomas Lynn Peterson. He's done art blocks before. So he did a factory drop called Rapture which was peak August mania. It came out of the gate yeah. at four, four ETH for a factory drop. So for anyone who's been following factory now, most of the products don't even mint out right away. You know, we see 0.1 floors. Rapture came out at a four ETH floor. Um, so he's got some real experience with art blocks. His one of ones on foundation um, have done well also. And we get a glimpse. It's similar to the style of his foundation pieces here. The, it's called screens. It's a celebration of modern art inspired by aesthetics inherent in screen printing, along with Bohaus, constructivism, and Pulp Fiction's sci-fi covers. So, Brett, are you excited for this one? Are you going to potentially mint this? What are your thoughts? 
I like I like Thomas Lynn Peterson. I have a Rapture. I I'm, I'm in it a couple of them back in the Mania, and then I sold one. I think to cover. I think I like free rolled the other. Kept that. I got print made of it. Um, so I'm I'm a fan. I've got some of his Tezos work as well. So um, I'm gonna watch it. You know, I'm again. I'm not I'm not just gonna ape in because it's um, Art Blocks has been I think very uh, like dicey lately. Sure. Um, but it's something I'll watch if, if the, if the auction gets as low as I'm willing to go, then, then I might, uh, start mining least. Yeah. Same price is always important. Um, but honestly, I probably not because this Monday, as we're about to get to, I have three other drops I'm looking at. So I, yeah. I actually think I'll, I might look at this on Tuesday or something at the secondary. Let's talk about them. So I know men escapes is one on your list. We're showing yeah. it here on the page. looks like some, what, some animated, uh, Photo drops here. Tell us a little bit about this. Yeah, so it's three uh, photographers, one of whom is Kath Samard, who we already covered, and and then uh, with the AI system. So it's like it's sort of AI GAN art, which is becoming more popular, combined with these photographs. It's a set of three thousand three hundred thirty-three, and they look pretty cool, you know. So I'm I'm they they did the whitelist at um, six a.m. my time. You know, so I woke up, I'm not usually up then, but I, it was, I felt it was worth trying to get on that. Uh, and so I'm on that it's 0.33 for 3333 set. So it's not, it's definitely not the cheapest thing in the world, um, but they look cool. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna min them. And this is not the only one on Monday. Um, we've also got Eponym coming with their second yeah. project, so I believe here, Epihero. This this is, um, I think this is going to be a popular mint. I've been playing around with, with the, the AI behind the mint. And so it's a PFP um, AI. And those are some of the examples, but it's text input. And it, it's good. Like you type in vampire, you get a guy that looks kind of like a vampire, right? And it, you can keep rolling, right? You get a different, um, you, get, you can get a different person each time with the same words. Um, but it, it is relevant like the words that you type in matter um i think you know you never know with things that are really fun to mint how the secondary is going to do so um you know i'm not saying this is like going to be some amazing flip or anything but it might be but the minting itself i think is going to be popular it's 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 cool it, it, this is a uh, it's a strong um product that they have it's 0.08 for ten thousand. so again it's not the cheapest but like i monday I think you're going to see these all over Twitter, people mending this. Yeah, we saw that the first time with Eponym. So for those who didn't follow Eponym's first drop, again, it's AI art, but the user has some input control. So you could type out a word or a phrase, and that influences the piece that gets created by the AI. So it, it sounds like that's the same concept at play here. It's gotten better, AI, you know, like they're oh, evolving. It's gotten better. They're, they're, it's, this is uh, cooler, I think, than... Um, I like the other one too. I, I, I really like this. I was playing around with it last night. It's cool. And then last drop from Monday, 30 seconds, Cool Pets. I know you've been hyped for this one. Tell us your yeah. thoughts. Cool Pets, I, I, I like, you know, the PDE game. It's a cheaper entry point into the Cool Cats ecosystem. I got on their whitelist too. I, I won a Twitter contest. Uh, so I get to mint one for 0.5. Thinking about buying um, a couple in the secondary, but it depends, like you have to, evolve you get an egg and then you can evolve it either using the token or through like quest-based actions so um you know it, it's it's more of like a long-term thing unless you just want to buy a bunch of the token and level your guy up right away but i think it'll be cool you know the team's been good so i'm gonna the one i'm minting for 0.5 i plan to like you know take him on quests or whatever play the game with it and there's the chance at rares right they've got a few one-on-ones out there so there's yeah. also the but the, you got to get to the 150 aspect. level of evolving before you uh I believe unlock the pet inside. Oh you wow! Egg. Okay, you have an egg, that. so it's like yes, yeah, so you can quest based do it, or you can buy. You can like it's kind of like a mobile game, right? Where it's you can pay to speed things up. You can pay with the token, or you can do the action. So I, I, I you know, I'm I'm happy to get one here, and I might get a couple more. Yeah, I'll be watching. I think a lot of folks will be watching. That's probably one of the bigger drops for Monday, but a lot's going on this weekend, Brett thanks for joining us we covered a lot cheers thanks i'm looking forward to uh, hearing from marshall yeah awesome 
All right. So that covers the first half of our show. And now we are going to get into the second half of our show, which will be an interview with Marshall Shuttle. So just a quick background on Marshall. He is a Las Vegas-based photographer who explores American landscape, documenting American youth and the narratives around them, shoots analog photos in large format, and is collected and shown across the globe, including the Arpenture Gallery, the Museum of Contemporary Photography, and CO Berlin. His first book, Morning Star, was just published by KGP, a leading art publisher based in New York City in July of 21. He has an MFA in photo-based bookmaking and most recently has been creating NFT photo books with KGPNFT.com, which I can't wait to dive into in good detail here today. Marshall, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks so much for having me. It's a, it's a blast to be here. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you joining us. This is our, our first photo-based NFT uh, interview for the show. So I'm definitely excited about it, but well, let's dive in. So I want to hear you know, first a little bit more about yourself and your background. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I've been a working photographer for about 15 years now. Um, it's, it's pretty much always been my profession. And, um, you know, it's something I, I went to school for and then started working in, you know, editorial capacities, journalistic capacities, um, freelance commercial work, and also all the while exhibiting, you know, in the gallery and museum scene. So I've been very fortunate enough to have, um, you know, a lot of opportunities in both those realms that have, have kind of carried me along in my career. Uh, which eventually led me out to Las Vegas uh, to make this personal body of work, Morningstar, uh, which I was fortunate enough to connect with my publisher, who is now uh, my business partner um, in this venture of us bringing photo books to the chain. Uh, but my kind of background, you know, coming into this space was that I had the fortunate ability as an artist where I, I started getting into, into like the crypto realm probably around 2015, you know, due to like photojournalism covering like DeFi and like learning about it like that. So I always kind of had, came into it from one perspective, but then as everything started to take off, you know, with, with art coming into the space, um, we were just very lucky to be really well positioned to not only kind of navigate what was happening, but starting to, to try and build some things to try and, you know, push the, the ecosystem a little further. Wow. So crypto in, in 2015. So you've been, been in the space for, for quite some time then. So you've seen, you know, the real roller coasters of bull markets, bear markets, um, pretty much seen it all. So I guess when, when did you decide, you know, photo NFTs is where I, I want to focus and I really want to get into this space. Was that here in the, in the past year or was that, you know, even before that? Yeah. So I think we, I was really fortunate because I was in a position where January of 2021, I was watching Chris Graves and Justin Aversano mint pieces up on OpenSea. And I got on the phone and was like, I need to know how to do this. Um, I'm watching what you guys are up to this weekend. And I like, I am seeing this happen. Like I'm watching all the success Justin's having in the sense that he's, he's selling NFTs. Like this was back when, you know, someone selling photo NFTs was like, oh my God. And so I was really lucky that like from the get go, I was able to not only kind of enter in on my own, at my own speed, um, you know, very early and, you know, being connected to people that were showing me and guiding me through the process as much as we knew. I mean, you know, we were all learning as we, as we went along there, but I was super lucky. And so we found some immediate support in the space uh, last winter and that immediately shifted into these conversations of like, once we really started to see kind of the trimmings around what the tech could do, where it could go, how we could kind of cross over um, a lot of application from traditional art markets and the way that we, you know, turn our art into commodity, the way we use that to fuel our projects, we started really seriously buckling down and taking that ETH and putting it to work and saying, okay, we need to start building something. We need to start solving these problems. We need to get something ready to go because this this is a marathon and we have an opportunity right here to like really contribute something beneficial. And this group has been building a lot and I definitely want to get to that, but I guess first maybe backing up a, a little bit. So Justin and Chris, certainly two of the biggest names in, in the photo world photo NFT space, I guess, how, how does your relationship form with them? Kind of what's your, what, what's your backstory? Did you just find them in 2021 or have you known each other for a while? Chris and I have known each other for 15 years. We went to undergraduate and uh, 
this is so cool. There's there's some artists that that they've brought into this space that we know from back then recently, which is like it's this really crazy full circle. But so Chris is um we he's my publisher, but we also work together a lot for for National Geographic and a couple other companies. We spend a lot of time on the road together. Uh, one I think 2020 we were on the road with like three four months uh with each other. So we we are extremely close. We work together in all capacities. He publishes my work. I assist him and back him up whenever he's doing these long projects out on the road. And so he's uh, he was connected through uh, to Justin, I believe, maybe through Save Art Space and Justin's personal work. Um, and so you know, being really tight with Chris, like last winter when all that stuff started happening, um, we I was just very fortunate that it's like I had such a, a good relationship with him that. You know, I got to meet Justin and I got to watch what everybody was doing and it spiraled. I mean, it was it was cool like that back then. It still is the Wild West. But I mean, like back then it was crazy. Like I was yeah. like we were all in cars together having these conversations like what are we doing? Like, you know, like we'd be on trips and we'd meet people like I flew down to Miami and I photographed all the CryptoPunks billboards that they did with Save Art Space. And I, like, I got to talk with like G Money and like, oh, wow. you know, Tony in LA. And like, it, it's so cool. It's like, it's, I, I'm a little, I'm being a little bit more out there these days now that we're doing the company on Twitter and everything. But back in like the early realm, it was just like, there was, you know, a non-personalities, but then there was a lot of also crossover into like our professional practice of like being out there meeting all these people. So I was really lucky that I got to have some amazing conversations 12 months ago that are kind of coming to fruition now. Yeah. So you, you've networked uh, very well. So, you know, you mentioned watching Justin and Chris start to mint and, and sell their, their NFTs on OpenSea. Is that what kind of influenced you to start and publish your Morningstar collection then? Is that where, you know, you would say you got started or was there any you know, publishing before that? Yeah, I led the way. the The very first stuff that I put up was um, I put up Morningstar, uh, or at least I put up a decent amount of it um, onto OpenSea, and I think I just wanted to see what was going to happen with it, um, like how it was going to be received. It was totally different because you know, as, as photographers, we're not necessarily used to this idea of just like putting one to ones up in in you know with the ability to you know on OpenSea like have like a little bit of a blur but it's like you're not you don't get to show that much of yourself it's very much just the images up there which is very great for some people in some collections but for other things it can be a little confusing to you know not being able to try and, you know figuring out the ordering and the way it's all viewed together but I wanted to kind of explore you know how this was going to work and like I said I was very fortunate I you know I had some people collect my work right off the bat and um you know that kind of I want to say that that kind of fueled me to really take it seriously fast and you know realize that it was like this is happening and like there there's there are audiences out there there are patrons out there that want to support this stuff and so it was like what can we do as artists moving forward that contributes to this ecosystem because we really think you know it's gonna it's gonna take off there really is you know so much nuance to to releasing a, a collection and you know the strategies around doing that and the marketing aspect there's just so much that goes into it i, I am curious so kind of how you went about re releasing and minting this morning star set so did you uh you know publish and mint all 39 together at one time did you do them one by one or kind of what was your you know, what was your strategy in, in publishing these? Yeah, I was, I was actually, I only put up half of it first and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to, I put up, you know, some select images. I wanted to kind of test the waters to see how, you know, for, as a, as a photographer, we're used to, to, I'm used to working in series. So it's like, I see the body of work as a whole, but this was kind of this new experience of putting it out there. And it's just like, well, people are going to look at whatever I put up there and select the individual images that they like the most. And that was kind of interesting to me. So I wanted to like, I put half of it up at first. I watched and I saw what people, you know, were collecting, what people were making offers on. And I just kind of, you know, I, I let it just see, you know, let it be organic. And then, you know, once we ramped up into, you know, realizing that we were going to really push forward with the books, um, that's when I put the, the rest of it up there's still there's still a few images that aren't up yet um and you know because some of those are going to be part of the book launch um and some of them have some, some other mechanics tied into it but 
yeah it was i think i waited to um to really to finish putting everything up there until we were we were going to tie it into the book yeah so you know, i want to touch on one of the, the items you mentioned there just you're viewing this you're, you're used to viewing this as a full set you know versus just one individual piece so if a collector buys just one of these pieces you know, they potentially lose the the broader um you know, theme, everything else going on in this set. So is that the, the driver for KGP NFT and kind of where did the photo book idea or concept kind of come from? Yeah, it's, it, it, that's entirely, that is entirely the reason we, that we, we, you know, we really went forward with thinking that this needs to happen. So the, the wonderful thing about the, the NFT marketplace for photographers is that it was such an incredibly smooth transition from the way that we sell our work as prints. You know, the one-to-one -one is basically whittling it down the print edition to, to, to centralizing it all in one place, one image, a collector trading to another collector, an artist selling to a collector. It distills everything. It gets the artist paid. It gets the work out there. It's an elegant solution. But the other side of that coin as artists, you know, in the traditional art market and practice, the way we traditionally gain exposure, the way we get our work out there, the way we get, you know, known by galleries and museums where our one-to-ones get shown and get collected is we put our work out in book form. And the reason for that is because we want to distill the entire narrative, the sequence, uh, the structure of the work as a whole, as well as like any writing or insight into the artist's practice all in one place. So that patron, that collector, you know, that gallerist, that curator can see the whole kit and caboodle, can see the whole story, can really see the body of work, you know, for what it is in a totality. So the great thing about the NFT space is that one of ones are flying and taking off. But as more and more artists come into the space, we're seeing that they really, there's a lot of limitations to some of these platforms as far as the ability for them to tell their entire story, the way they curate the images together. And so, as we see more and more people coming in there and it's going to be harder for people to you know jump into these forums where they can tell their story on an individual level to collectors to other artists and they're limited by the way these marketplaces uh we needed to find a way to bring books into the space because books are going to be the way for collectors and patrons to find their new favorite artists they're not going to be able to solely rely on discord chats and spaces anymore because they're just going to get there's going to be too many people it's going to be too hard to cut through all that so we need to give the collectors and the patrons the tools to be able to fully explore a body of work, fully discover an artist, and you know, fully, fully engage with their work uh, as a whole, not dictated by a marketplace. That that makes total sense. And you know, Quantum was was certainly one of the first steps in in that direction. And I think a, a breath of, of fresh air. It will certainly go down as a really important step for you know the photo nft market so for those who aren't familiar i think we've touched on it on this show before but it's similar to the art blocks what art blocks is for generative art and launching curated projects and, and factory type projects quantum is for photo nfts so it is a website that is so justin everson's one behind this well actually i should probably just ask you so you've you've had some involvement with with quantum what is your level uh, involvement with Quantum Marshall, and maybe give us kind of your, your thoughts on on that platform before we get to KGP. Sure. Well, I was I got to be kind of a, a a fan from a distance for a long time. You know, obviously knowing you know Justin and Chris and seeing what they're doing with it and seeing the wonderful artists they were bringing into the space. So it's been a joy. But they recently launched this um, Quantum Community uh, Community Initiative where they start bringing in artists for their collector base or for solely their collector base to kind of like. Uh, vote on like collections that they want to have and so they threw me into the first uh the first kind of initiative of that to uh test out a new body of work and it was like it was such a crazy and amazing experience of like we got to spend this week with these three other artists talking to their entire collector base doing like multiple like interviews and like outreach sessions and it was like it was the distillation of like what happens in traditional art markets where it's like you you put yourself up for like a, a show or like a fellowship or a grant but usually in those situations like you never get to like meet the other artists you don't get to meet the jurors you don't get to meet the collectors you don't get to meet the museum board but the amazing thing about what they're doing with this is like it does you know someone will win each time they do one of these initiatives and launch a collection based on what the community like is hungry for then or wants to support but the cool thing is like 
everybody involved in it gets to like meet this entire ecosystem, show off their work, like introduce themselves. So it's like, it's taking like, it's, it's flipping over all like the negative parts of these, like these kind of, when we get put up for shows in the traditional world. So that was, I did that um, last week with them and that was, uh, it was a real pleasure to be involved with. Yeah, I think one of the, the coolest aspects of, you know, the NFT space to me, and certainly I don't have a, a depth background in the traditional art space, but just the idea that you can bring the, the collector community and the artists together and the level of interaction that's there now, that certainly, I cannot imagine that it existed in the traditional space, you know, as we have it with these curated platforms, with the Discord groups that have launched now around projects. And I just have to imagine as an artist being able to get your work in front of a community that you already know is hungry for, you know, this type of work is just a, a huge step up and very advantageous. Yeah, we, you know, it's, it's interesting. I've, I've, I've heard some talks with some blue chip artists that have been brought in that have been working in the traditional photo space for 20, 30 years, very successful. And like, I've heard them tell stories about their first few weeks being in this space about like, I've been selling prints and galleries for 30 years. And I've met more of my collectors in the past seven days than I have in the 30 years leading up to this. And what it really has made us all realize is that the reason that wasn't happening is there was always somebody in between us you know, be that, you know, in a, in a capacity of like a gallerist or a curator or, you know, and I think a lot of us are realizing that, like, was that a disservice to us? Like, how come we didn't know our collector base? How didn't come we couldn't connect with our patrons? Because we're seeing, you know, we're seeing what happens when when artists can ingrate, you know, can really find their community. You know, you see it with, with Justin, with Drift, Omar, like with all these amazing artists, like the way that they're finding their patrons and like they're creating these actual communities around them that continue to push their work. It's incredible. I mean, as an artist, your goal is to find the, the three to 400 people in the world that truly enjoy your art and are down to, to continue to support it in some sort of capacity, uh, you know, once or twice a year. And if you can find those people, you've made it because you have your base, you have the people that have your back, and then you have the freedom to go and create and, and do what you really need to do. That's, that's really interesting insight. And, and I have to imagine that the, the barriers that are, have been broken down with Web3 and the removal of the middlemen has certainly made that, that goal a lot more accomplishable. And I think the other aspect to it as well is the the power of the, the marketing arm of the community. So also there's, there, there certainly are the, the collector base who is there, they're gonna hold it forever, right? They're, they have no intentions to sell. But there's also there, those that are coming from an investment standpoint who uh, now are incentivized to be your marketing arm. So there, we see that in NFT Twitter space and everyone kind of going above and beyond to, to share the, the artists that they're collecting from to a larger base, which again, just amplifies the, the message of, of that, whether that be good or bad. So I, I do want us to transition here to KGP. So you, you've touched on uh, some of the, the founding principles and concepts here for the idea of a photo book and wanting to have the full body of work in front of, a, of the, your user base. Well, let's get into it. So that, as I understand, that is the driver behind KGP. But I, I guess I want to hear it from you. So kind of tell me some of the the high level view of this platform and what it's meant to be. Yeah. And uh, so I mean, the thing that I, I always forget to kind of get out at you know out front is that a lot of people don't don't really understand uh, or or have know that in traditional kind of art markets, um, art books are they are addition commodity. And what I mean by that is like art books are prohibitively expensive to produce in every realm. Most, most art books from mid-level to small level publishers make no money. Uh, oftentimes they lose money. And the reason that you see books costing anywhere between 40, 50, $60, upwards of $100 for an art book is because the materials used to produce it, the entire thing around the process is so prohibitively expensive that they, they have to be priced at that standpoint. And so to be priced at that standpoint, you have to build in a, you know, the, the ability for it to have uh, extended value, you know, cause you can't just ask somebody to pay hundred dollars for something that's continually produced over and over. And that's why we do additions. So it's like, when we make a photo book, we'll do 300, we'll do 400, we'll do 500. 
And so what most people don't know is like when a photo book like that sells out or becomes popular, it then lives on in the secondary market capacity. So there's all photo book collectors that are constantly trading, reselling photo books. Um, it gets crazy. I mean, we've, we have I've artists I work with who have photo books that sell for like, you know, 3K on secondary markets because it's a really popular body of work and there was only 400 made. Um, so they have this whole life to them, you know, in the traditional sector. But what we realized, uh, you know, moving into what the NFT space could do is it presented us this opportunity to transition that, you know, just like one-to-ones kind of solved the print problem for us. We realized that if we transition, if we made truly unique additioned books, you know, and brought them to the chain, that we could bring the entire design and, and the already kind of functioning, uh, the functioning quality of how a traditional art book operates, but we could do it better and we could do it faster and we could do it so the artists actually make some money and uh, kind of flip this whole exposure model upside down on itself. So that's, you know, when we, we use the terminology of a lot of unique addition. And what that means is like, literally when you, when you mint a book from us, it is signed, numbered, the content is unique, everything, everything around it. Like you, this isn't like you're, you're pushing a button and you're getting one of 500 of the same thing and a gate opens up. You are literally getting a handmade PDF with additional content with things included into it that could be like one-to-ones uh, and a bunch of other kind of trimmings around that. So we saw it as an opportunity to, to not only bridge that gap, you know, into the chain and solve the, the problem of how kind of photo books were really dying in a lot of ways, um, but also to take a lot of keys from the community as it is and incorporate all these new ideas in the books and really start to you know, push the limits of saying like, hey, well, what can we, if we really transition in, uh, you know, in a unique edition book, you know, onto the blockchain, what can we do, you know, with the parameters of that to challenge what we think of like a, a book can be? I love this idea and it definitely seems innovative to me, I guess. Help me understand though, exactly, you know, so what is this photo book NFT, I guess for, for starters foundationally. So it, it's a collection of 10, 20 photos like in a series help help define us with maybe an example sure so uh, we're first i'm actually i'm first at the gate the, the, our first release is going to be my book morningstar which and we chose to do that because it was a physical book that chris and i produced in july and so it's a collection of uh the the physical book was 44 images presented in a sequential format with a couple essays and um you know the book presentation was all about you know telling the story to the viewer giving them the entire body of work to engage with at a pacing uh, in, a, in a format um, for them to understand the, the story. And so what we decided is we were gonna start with this book and we were gonna transition it over into digital application because we wanted to show off some interesting things we could do with you know, the new tech. And what I mean by that is, it's not just that we're bringing you know, the physical book Morningstar into the digital space, we're, we're starting the conversation of everything that happens around producing a physical book as far as like when you're doing that you have to edit things out for the size of making an actual book for the expense of making an actual book you have to shorten it to a certain page length so all this wonderful stuff gets lost along the way in that process and so we realized if we use this as our first title we could bring all that back so it gave us the ability to incorporate these like special editions, like additional essays, like all the images that were went down to the editing floor process that got lost. We were, we were able to bring them back as one-to-ones. So it was not only a chance for us to show what an NFT book could really look like, but also to start the conversation of like, what can we start, you know, what can we start adding to, you know, an NFT book that would be lost in, in a traditional book? That's, uh, that sounds really cool. So I, I want to make sure I understand this uh, properly so I uh, can play it back to you here. So we're looking at your Morningstar collection here mm -hmm. on Open, OpenSea. There's about 39 images. So for the, the photo book, is it going to, you mentioned 44. So it's going to, it's essentially going to be wrapped around this core body of work with some additional extras like the essays, some things that are left off. If, I'm, if someone's buying next week, essentially what, what is it that they'll be getting? Yeah, so you basically what we've done is we we for this first drop we've taken the mechanic of starting with this like base book of Morningstar because it was something that was pre-existing, and from there we built you know all the traits around the things that can happen with that base book. And what I mean by that is that like 
we there are some traits that include like extended essays um, there are some traits that include like signatures and additional images things around the edges of the project um, and then also the integration of you know the one-to-ones based on like how they were taken out of the editing process so our whole idea was that we not only wanted to it was it was very important for us to introduce to the ecosystem the idea that when you actually are purchasing a book it's unique like it straight up has a unique signature it has a unique number the the content the pdf that has been tokenized to you is unique and individual it's not one of the 300 that you know you share across an ecosystem with a bunch of other people because essentially then you're really still kind of one foot in in the way that it has been um we needed to give people the opportunity to have unique commodity so these things could live on a secondary market and you know that the whole idea is introducing them so that people can start trading photo books so they can start buying them on secondary markets selling them on secondary markets collecting the version of the book that they really want to own maybe it's the one they want that has a specific image um and so when you buy a book from us you're in the case of morningstar when we release there's going to be there's 550 copies there's going to be 500 uh that will be for sale and so when you go to mint with us um we're partnered with hashku who's going to be doing all of our pre-sale uh pre-sale listings so when you go to mint with us uh, you go you'll mint you'll get uh, your copy you'll see what the edition number is you'll go to on our site you'll literally click on our library you'll engage in our custom built uh viewer that like that reads the data from your token you'll be able to engage with the book at your pace interact with it however you want and then you'll be able to see the additional content that's attached to it um and when you plug it into you know secondary marketplace like OpenSea, you're going to see some surprises too that allude to exactly what the content of your your individual book is so there's a couple pieces i, I want to uh dive into a little bit more that you just touched on so the personal library this sounds to me i'm, I'm thinking you know we've got like on cyber Right, where, folk, where folks can build curated galleries for their art. So it sounds like this is built into the, the platform. So folks will have essentially a digital gallery where they can go and, and view the, the, the photo book. Is that, am I understanding it correctly? Yeah, so think about it. So we decided we really wanted to, we didn't want to try and solve two problems at once. We wanted to propose two solutions. And so what we decided was if we really if we built a proprietary viewer onto our site and create the library so it's like always you you connect your wallet you click on your library on our site it brings you to your little desk space which as we do more and more titles we're going to build out into uh you know more of an interactive capacity you click on your library shows your titles shows maybe some some assets that have been attached to some of your titles in the background like you know posters or items or prints you click on the title opens up in your viewer, you're engaging in your book, you know, you're viewing it in full. We have mobile app integration on the way. We're going to integrate into some metaverse spaces eventually as well. You read your books, close them down, close the site, hop over to OpenSea. I want to look and see at some of these other books. What's going to come up on OpenSea is not going to be a book that you interact with. What comes up on OpenSea is going to be uh, a unique image that alludes to you know exactly what the content of your book to that edition is. And so our idea was it's like we want to, we can control the viewing experience if we build it from the ground up and we create the viewing room on our platform. But we also don't want to prohibit you know, our collectors and our patrons from having a you know a beneficial experience on secondary marketplaces because we want the books to live on. And so we decided that we were going to design all of that display on secondary marketplaces to allow for a smoother uh, smoother exploration uh, and, and secondary uh, back and forth. Best of both worlds, you know, mm -hmm. your, your primary viewing and your secondary market. And I, I want to unpack the unlockable rarity too. So um, certainly. In the in the minting space and NFTs, you know, everyone wants to get that rare, right? That's that's the grail. So as I'm understanding this, you know, there, there's going to be, you know, if there's 500 for sale, there's going to be a small number that that might get like the rarest pieces. In the, the set. is that kind of how it's going to work? Yeah. So it's we we for the for our first you know set of titles, we really want to kind of kick out the jams on the value prop because it's so important for us to get the ball rolling because we want this to be an extended, we want photo books, art books, we want art books to become accepted and championed in the NFT space. So we wanted to really incentivize this um, and explore some, some options. So 
Uh, for Morningstar, what we did is, yeah, well, there's going to be 550 copies in total, and I believe it sits right around 49 of those are going to have a one-to-one -one attached to that. And what I mean by that is that book will, that edition will always be tied to a one-of-one -one image. And when you see that on OpenSea, it's going to display that one-to-one -one image. If you want to plug that book into your OnCyber gallery, it's going to display that one-to-one that one, -to -one image. And so what we wanted to do is like in the world where, you know, one-to-ones are doing so well for the, you know, in the, the, for the photo NFT community, they also become prohibitive uh, as a point of entry for some collectors. And so it, what it really did is it gave us this opportunity where it's like we can offer our photo books at a price point that is more accessible for the people that want to support and be involved in it and get some skin in the game and support it and to enjoy it. But we also want to reward them. Like we want to give them the chance to like, you know, if you buy, you know, one of our, uh, my editions or you buy Chris's that's coming next, we want to give you like a solid chance at like pulling something like a one-to-one -one out of there because we want to get you in the ecosystem. We want to get you transacting. And we want people, we want people trading and selling the books on the secondary market to snipe the one-of-ones that they really want because the only way they're going to be able to get them is to get that book. And so for us, it's a whole new way of introducing a new tier you know, into the photo space as far as like being able to now collect books that have all these extras attached to them is a new point of entry, um, you know, for people that might be shut out of, you know, collecting just straight up one-to-ones, you know, off of these platforms. I think it's a really smart way to go about doing this. And it's definitely pushing the envelope forward. You know, you've gone beyond just the, the standard editions that we're all used to. And now we've got the this new version, which is definitely exciting to hear about. You know, kind of taking a step back and looking at the overall, you know, photo NFT market. Certainly, we've we've seen some buzz that 2022 could be the year of you know photo NFTs potentially, like we saw generative art last year. Do you believe that, or you know, what are your thoughts ahead of 2022 here? Yeah, and I think that I think that that is I think it's accurate, and I think it's it's possible and maybe probable because I think photography has the easiest transition into the space. And what I mean by that is like, it's them, it's set up already in the traditional art ecosystem to make that transition, I think, smoother than a lot of other art forms. Like we're used to selling our prints. You could argue that, you know, painters have already, you know, do one-to-ones by nature, but we're, as photographers, we're used to like putting things in series to sell prints, to make books. And so the transition into these existing marketplaces for photographers, not only is like easy from, you know, a commodity standpoint for the way that we're used to monetizing our work, but it's also a pretty smooth transition for, um, you know, the collector base. Like if there's, it, it, diving into photography is I think a little more accessible than some forms of art because there's a little bit less of a barrier to entry. Um, because, you know, photographs can be seen as like, you know, truthful and telling stories. And so everybody can find a photo they relate to or an artist that they relate to. So I do think there's a lot of truth to that. I, I think the photo, the photo NFT space is going to continue to, to explode. Um, and, but with that though, it becomes like the building, you know, I mean, it's not going to, it's on the community too, at that point and the artists to start really kind of building and creating, because if we just rely on what got us to here, the people that come into this space next are going to have a harder and harder time gaining that exposure and telling their stories and connecting to their audience. So it's like, we need to start building these bridges. And you're seeing it with like these curated platforms like Quantum and Obscura and Fellowship that are doing these drops, these curated drops. But we also need to extend the ability for artists to do things like, you know, what we're doing with books. It's like, it's just a new way for them to tell their story and find their audience. So I think that the photo space is going to continue to boom. And I think we're just getting started with all the things that the artists are going to bring to the space from a tech standpoint. Um, and that's really going to help fuel it. You know, I, I agree with your, your thoughts. And one of the primary bull cases for me and in my conversations with others is, you know, when we think about traditional art, you know, uh, uh, in that space, I think photo NFTs are closer than, to that than others like generative art. It, it, it all boils down to the wall test. Like, do you want to hang the, this piece of art on your wall or not. And honestly, a lot of the generative art that we've seen doesn't really pass, right? You know, the, it's got a collector base who, you know, really is, is good with, with the coding and everything that goes into it, but it's not always the most aesthetic uh, piece to view. And from what we've seen with some of the, the photo NFT artists that have really exploded on the scene is the, the aesthetics are amazing and, and beautiful and the stories that they can tell 
So now that we have, we've got the aesthetics that are already there in the photo entities, and now we've got the tech and the platforms that are starting to be rolled out. I, I think it's a nice recipe for, you know, a potential surge here. And it's definitely going to be interesting to watch. And, and you're definitely in and contributing and, and certainly helping to push this forward. So we, we loved, uh, we love to see that, I guess. Any, any closing thoughts here, Marshall, that, that you want to share with, with our listeners? Yeah, I would just say that, you know, we're, we're going a mile a minute right now and we're introducing all sorts of stuff. We just released, we just tweeted out earlier today, uh, a tech demo video of, of our book in action, a wallet uniquely connecting to our site, to our viewer, what that process will look like. We're going to be rolling out preview images of how like OpenSea integration is going to look, you know, in the coming week. We do like a Twitter spaces that's built around kind of like education for the community. So I would just say, uh, follow us, hop into our Discord, get on that pre-sale list. Things are going very well. I would love everybody to have a chance to, to get on this and uh, just kind of take the ride with us. And even if you want to just kind of sit back and see how it goes at first, uh, I think this is going to do wonders for the entire space. And that's what we're so excited about. It's We are not going to be the only art book publisher in the NFT space for long. And we just want to get the ball rolling and we can't wait to see where it goes. Uh, I'm excited too. It definitely feels like we're still on the ground floor for mm -hmm. photo entities and where they can go. And that's always an exciting place to be. So uh, to our listeners and viewers in our show notes, we'll, we'll go ahead and link and, and publish the, the Twitter and the discord info. So everyone will have that, but Marshall, thanks for, thanks for your time. Thanks for joining us here today. It's been great to connect. It's been a real pleasure. I, I appreciate the opportunity and the platform. Awesome. Well, listeners and viewers, as always, thanks for tuning in. This was our show for today. We will be back next Tuesday to recap the weekend in NFTs. Till then, stay safe out there. Goodbye.